What is up, listeners of the world? My name is Jalen Tully, and welcome to J Talks. Dear parents, my name is Jalen Tully, and I just wanted to say that I am completely and utterly aware that being a parent is some of the hardest and most thankless work in the world. I sympathize with that, and I sympathize with you. And that's why this week I am here on my podcast in the hopes that I'm going to be able to help you see the other side of things while also helping to step out of myself to see your side of things. And by doing that, by doing both of those things, I hope that as an individual, I'll be able to talk you through the hard, difficult, and arduous work that being a parent truly is. So, during this week's episode, let's join hands and go through this journey together. Love, Jalen. What is up, you guys? It is Jalen, and you already know what this podcast is. You already know why I'm here. This episode is an open letter to parents. I am so excited that, you know, last week's episode happened and I was able to talk to you guys about the new era of this podcast that we are going to enter into together. And this is an episode that I am so excited to be recording. I think it is so necessary and it, it's... It's, it means so much to me as, you know, as someone who obviously isn't a parent, but as someone who's a child of some of the best parents in the world, I think that I could have a lot to contribute to this conversation. And I understand if especially parents are going to take what I say with a grain of salt, but I still think there's a lot for both of us to learn during this conversation. I think, I think there's a lot for children to learn as well during this conversation, not just when it comes to relating to and understanding some of the trauma that their parents may or may not have inflicted on them as they were growing up, as they were being raised. But more than anything, I think a lot of kids, a lot of people my age could take away from it tips and tricks on how to parent their children in the best way possible, in the way possible that helps them raise not only a conducive adult and and member of society, but also someone who they can have a relationship with, who they can love, who they can care for, and who cares for them and who looks up to them. Because, I mean, isn't, isn't that what being a parent is all about? First off, I know that I don't have to explain myself to you guys, but I do just want to, and I want to talk about why I think I'm qualified to speak on this topic, given that, you know, I'm an 18-year-old girl who has absolutely no parenting experience whatsoever. I've never had a child, I've never been pregnant, I've never, none of that stuff applies to me. Like I said, I have no parenting experience, yet this is something that I'm still so passionate about, and this is something that I still have so much personal experience and personal connection to, and in that, in that way, in that light... I think that I am completely qualified to speak on this. Without revealing too much about my parents' personal life, because I don't know what they do or don't want me to share on this podcast, um, both my parents are teachers, actually. Um, They both teach um, special education students. That's their specialty. And they're both heads of teachers in their classrooms. Um, They they teach at a facility at... um, I, I guess you could call it a facility, but, like, it's a school... Um, for children that have specifically been taken away from toxic, dangerous, neglectful, or abusive home environments, or they are children that have no connection to any of those things, have wonderful home lives, but they just cannot be in a traditional school setting or in a traditional education setting. So, aka, two very different, you know, ends of the, the same spectrum, you could say. And so my parents not only have to work with disabilities and 
kind of learn, not learn how to combat that because that's not, you know, what they do, but they have to learn to be able to teach around that and work with the disability, work with the child to find what works best for them so that they can still learn and they can still go further in their education while also taking into consideration the children with those traumatic experiences, the children with trauma, and they have to not only help them to go forward in their education, but at the same time kind of go backwards when it comes to that trauma and help them unlearn that trauma so that they can someday be active members of society and be contributing members of society, which is the hope for all of us. So that's what my parents do. That's where they met, actually. Um, um, but yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way without going too in-depth about like what my parents do, but that's the, that's the overall gist. And, you know, my, my dad, not so much, but my mom, you know, also not only does her work in the classroom, but she's also very involved in her students' lives. She's also very involved in the students' lives that go in and out of this facility, in and out of this school. And she will go to court a lot. She will sit in on meetings with parents. She will interact with parents a lot. Um, she does this more so than most of the other teachers at this facility. And so she has an inside look into what it is to not only be a good parent who has been given every single obstacle when it comes to their children, like raising a child with a mental, physical, or educational disability, or what it means to be a terrible parent, a parent that prioritizes drugs over their kids, a parent who abuses and neglects and actively doesn't seem to love their children, a parent who literally doesn't seem to know how to love their children because of their own mental illness, because of their own disabilities, She's seen it all. When I tell you that she's seen it all, I'm I'm not exaggerating in the slightest. She has seen every single horrendous thing, every single, you know, terrible thing that you could not even fathom. She has seen it, she has experienced it, and not only that, but she's had to deal with it. And she she's very honest with me about what she sees and, you know, the parents that she has to deal with and the individualized circumstances that she has to deal with because of these parents, because of the situations that these kids are thrown into. So I know firsthand, well not firsthand, more like secondhand, I, I know, long story short, I know what it means to be a good parent who needs to, who would sacrifice anything, including their life for their child, because that's what my own are, and that's what some of the parents that my mom has to work with are. But I also know what it means to be a parent who probably shouldn't even be a person or a member of society, nonetheless a parent to another living, breathing, and completely dependent human being. Just like my mom, I, I've seen both sides of that same spectrum. And just like my mom, I've had to understand and come to compartmentalize both sides of that same spectrum as well. And that has really painted a picture in my head of what it means to be a good parent, especially because my parents are so incredible and so amazing and always have been. And so, you know, just that out of the way, I think that that is part of what qualifies me to have this conversation with you guys today. I think that's part of what qualifies me to come on my podcast, sit in front of a microphone, and have a direct conversation with parents and their children about what it means to be a good parent and what it means to be a good parent today in today's society with all of the new accommodations that parents need to make in order to ensure that their children still grow up to be good people which it's, it's, not, it's not easy, and I'm wholeheartedly willing to admit that when it comes to technology and the access that people have to each other and the changing societal norms, it is getting more and more difficult for parents to raise functional, completely functional, good people that are going to be conducive and contributing members of society. It's getting more and more difficult, and I'm wholeheartedly here to admit that. But this episode is going to be me talking you through that, and this episode is going to be me and my thoughts on how to do that, and how I think will be the best way to do that as a child who grew up 
in the later half of her childhood when technology was really starting to take off and that was really something that I was exposed to, yet I still feel like I had a childhood and I still feel like technology wasn't something that overpowered me or had a huge effect on how I grew up. So again, this is just a conversation that I want to have with you guys and this is a conversation that I think is so, so important to have. So let's get ready to have it. Before I start out, before I truly start out, I just want to make this point very, very clearly, and if you are going to go into this episode ignoring this point or, you know, kind of negating this point because you don't think it's truly important or you don't think it's relevant, I'm going to just make this point clear now. Parenting and family is not bloodline. Hear me again. Parenting and family is not bloodline. Being a sperm donor or an egg donor does not make you a parent. And I say that because I have a personal connection to that. My father, for all intents and purposes, and, you know, I I love him like a dad. He is my dad. I just want to make that very clear. My parents did meet at the school that they teach that. That wasn't a lie. That was entirely true. And that's how, you know, they met and they started to date and they fell in love. But it was just my mom and I for the first couple of years of my life. My dad didn't come into the picture until I was about three. But he's been there ever since then. And he is my dad. I'm just gonna, like I said, I, I don't, I don't think of him as someone else who came into the picture. I don't think of him as, as a stepdad. I think of him as my father, just because he didn't shoot a load into my mom. Sorry for the uh, extremely graphic, <laughs> like, image that I just put into your head, but, like, the point still stands just because he didn't actually, you know, do the deed with my mom, and, you know, he's not, like, my heart, like, my hard-earned DNA, this doesn't mean that he's not my father. I think that that is such a trivial way to think about the people in your life. Because, I mean, my, my biological father, the guy who did quote-unquote do the work, you could say, is nowhere to be found. He didn't go to every single soccer game. He didn't drive me home every single day after school. He didn't, you know, sit there and talk to me and talk me through my breakups and talk to me when my friends were being mean to me at school. He didn't have to listen to me cry in my room and, you know, knock lightly on the door and ask if I was okay. He didn't do any of that shit. My dad did. My, the person who's been here for the last 15 years of my life did all of that. He was. He went to every single graduation. He went to every single ceremony. He got me gifts for every single holiday and birthday. And he got me good gifts. He got me gifts that he knew I liked because he knew who I was as a person. And, like, that, that's my own personal experience. I know I have a bias to this, but, like, it drives me nuts when, especially parents, I feel like this is something that parents hammer into their kids and, like, try and, you know, make their kids understand or make their kids believe, especially parents that don't want to put in the actual work that it takes to be a parent. They try and convince their children that, oh, blood is everything. Blood is thicker than water. Even though the actual quote is that blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. It means that the family that we choose, the family that we put the effort into, the family that we make every single conscious decision every single day to love and cherish and care for, that family means more than any family that could be DNA related to you. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to to dismiss the importance of DNA, the importance of understanding your heritage, because that is a completely different conversation. This conversation right now is about parenting. This conversation right now is about the people who are willing to put in the work, the people who are willing to give the support, put in the effort of being a parent and being there for you. And my dad has done that every single day since day zero. And I have ever since then wholeheartedly thought, wholeheartedly agreed that parenting has nothing to do with blood. Parenting and the love of a parent and the support of a parent has absolutely shit to do with blood. 
Like it just does. Like I said, being a sperm donor, being an egg donor does not make you a parent. Changing every diaper, being there when your child throws up in the middle of the night, like I said, going to every single sports game, going to every single graduation ceremony, going there, being there through the college admission process, you know, driving your child to be able to go to college, like all of that stuff, those small moments, those, even the big ones, the big moments, being there for all of those as a supportive, you know, backbone for your child is what makes you a parent. Having sex one time, being irresponsible one time, choosing not to get an abortion, that doesn't make you a parent. That makes you a donor. That makes you a, a temporary vessel for life into this world. Nothing more, nothing less. So I just wanted to make that point very, very clearly before I went further into this episode because if, if you go into this episode without that in the back of your head, you're probably going to be pretty confused and you're probably going to disagree with me on a lot more stuff. But if you, you know, heed that argument and understand what I'm trying to say first, I think you'll have a much more open mind listening to this episode and I think it'll resonate with you so much more. So first things first, the first point that I wanted to make in this episode is that parents, your children do not owe you anything. I know a lot of people, a lot of people my age, who have parents who seem to think that their children owe them a debt for the work of being a parent. And that is just not the case. That, that's just not the case. That's not how parenting works. I'm sorry. This might seem harsh. This might make you upset. This might strike a nerve a little bit. So this is your little trigger warning right here. But you made a choice. Actually, no, screw that. You made a series of choices in order to bring a child into this world. A child that had absolutely no say in that. Because of that, because of your series of choices, whether it be irresponsibility, whether it be infidelity, whether it be an inability to use birth control, or whether it be a complete fucking accident, you still made a series of choices to bring a child into this world. A child who, like I said, had no part in that. And because of that, you have every obligation, you have every responsibility to care for that child, to get it not only everything it needs, but more. To make sure that child is fed, dressed, cared for, to make sure that child sleeps, to make sure that child is healthy, not sick, makes it to doctor's appointments, is active, is, you know, socially active as well. Not only physically active, but socially active, I was trying to say. You have an obligation as a parent, as someone who should make the decision. Again, that's the point that I'm going to hammer home. You made the decision to bring a child into this world. Therefore, you have an obligation to make sure that that child is not only healthy, but happy, and it has a quality standard of life. And that is something that, again, makes me so thankful for my parents because that's something that my mom tells me all the time. And like, I, I know that parents are probably like, oh yeah, of course it's easy to say that when you're a kid and you, you know, want everything at your feet. But my mom says that to me all the time. I was conceived on not one, but two different types of birth control. So like my chances of being here are statistically supposed to be zero. Like I'm not supposed to exist. At least my mom didn't want me to exist. And I know that's like kind of a dark thing to say, but it's true. My mom, like my mom didn't want to have children. That's why she was on two different forms of birth control. And that's just a fact. And I'm not going to resent her for that. I'm not going to hate her for that because I mean, I'm on birth control now. If I had a kid now, I'd, you know, probably have the same reaction. I'd be like, what the hell is this? The point being, that is something my mom says to me all the time, that this is one of her favorite things to say, especially in the line of work that she's in, that being a parent is not a right, it's a responsibility. 
and I, I talked about this, what episode was it? Oh, I talked about this when I talked about, um, in my episode where I talked about how we need to respect our teachers with the whole pandemic and, you know, getting vaccinated and all that stuff, how people were saying that, oh, their kids need to go back to school because, you know, they're not free childcare. They don't need to parent their kids, whatever, whatever, whatever. If you're confused at all, go listen to the episode. It was actually really, really good. That's an episode that I'm really, really proud of because, again, I spoke on my parents' professions as teachers working in the field that they do. And that was something I touched on in that episode was that being a parent is not a right, it's a responsibility. A lot of people seem to think that they have certain rights that, that aren't actually rights, such as parenting. Parenting being one of them. Being a parent is not a God-given right. Being a parent is not something that you are entitled to. Being a parent is not a privilege. And being a parent is not fun. Being a parent is hard work, it's responsibility, it's dedication, it's having to have time and the energy and the patience in your schedule to accommodate for another living human being. Being a parent is upsetting, it's difficult, it's thankless. I, my, like, parents, even my parents, they have never heard a thank you in their life, but they shouldn't have to. Because again, it's a responsibility. You have an obligation to care for this child. They do not owe you a thank you. They do not owe you money. They do not owe you time or energy or even gratitude. Gratitude. I mean, if we're being honest. Another thing my mom said to me all the time was like, once you have a child, you don't have a life anymore. Your life, your body, your emotions, your feelings, your energy, they all come second to this new human, this baby that you brought into this world, this baby that if you left it on the side of the street would die within a couple of hours because it is so goddamn dependent on your love and your care. So depriving your child of anything or thinking that it's okay to deprive your child of anything, whether that be a hug, whether that be a shoulder to cry on, whether that be a meal, whether that be clothing, whether that be a house to sleep in, any of it. Putting your child in a situation where they are having their needs and their some of their most intrinsically, instinctively needed wants met, you should not be a parent if you're not willing to sacrifice any and everything to make sure that all of those needs and wants are met. Because I And I mean wants, like, because you could argue that, like, oh, physical touch isn't necessarily a need, like a child can quote-unquote survive without physical touch. But I mean, we know, like we know what happens to children who are neglected and who don't have human interaction, who don't get physical touch. We know that physical touch is needed in order to create a functional human being who, you know, has, has certain societally acceptable social behaviors. We know that. So it, even though it's not necessarily a need in terms of like, oh, food and water are needs, like we would die without them, even though someone wouldn't die without physical touch. That's why I said it's like an intrinsic want, because we know that in order to create a functional human being, we do need t love and we do need a touch and we do need affection. Like those are things that we do need in order to, like I said, develop socially appropriate behaviors and participate in society as functional people. So that's, that's, I kind of just wanted to explain that a little bit because I know I worded that weirdly. But anyways, that was like the first big part of this episode that I wanted to, the, and the point that I wanted to make was like, your kids don't owe you anything. Being a parent is not a right, it's a responsibility. And if you are at all going to debate or negate that, then you should not have kids. Guess what? We, it's the 21st century. You can walk into any building, any, any doctor's office, any pediatrician's office, any planned parenthood. You can walk into any gas station and find condoms for $2.99 wrap your dingle up. 
like I was saying earlier before I got so sidetracked because I know I got sidetracked my mom tells me not not so much anymore because I, you know I, she's kind of done parenting me like I'm, I'm an adult now I kind of just do my own thing but she like she would tell me when I was younger all the time that if you wouldn't be willing to sacrifice your own warmth, your own comfort, your own life for your child, then you shouldn't be a parent. There were times when I was a child, there were t when it was just my mom and I, when, you know, she wouldn't have the money to pay the electric. We wouldn't have heat in the middle of winter. And, and I mean, I would never know. I, I was a child, you know, I was a toddler. I was a young child at that point, and I never knew. You know, my mom would make it seem like, oh, it was like a fun, like, no, no night's light, like no, no night, no lights night. There we go. I said that right. Like she, like she'd make it a game and she'd, you know, make sure I was giggling and laughing the whole time. I never knew that we didn't have power. I never knew that she couldn't pay the electric bill. That's an example of something where it's like, you don't even need to have all the resources to be a parent. I mean, you should, like the more resources you have, most, most likely the, or the, the, it should be a positive correlation where the more resources that you have for your child, the better of a parent you should be. But, you know, I, I also live in America and I also live in a world where rich people are greedy. And I, I know that being wealthy and, you know, having access to certain privileges doesn't always make you the best parent. I know plenty of people who are, who have all the money in the world and yet their parents never really cared about them. So I, I say that knowing that that's not necessarily a positive correlation, but my point being that it should be. You know, you, the, the more resources that you have, the more privileges that you have access to, the more privileges that your child has access to, the better of a parent you should be and the better of a life or quality of life your child should have. That should be that should be a positive correlation is what I'm trying to say. But if, if you don't have that, if you, you know, are in a situation like my mom was or two forms of birth control that failed and you have no idea what to do at this point, you can still be a good parent. And I want to I want to drill that home. You can still be the best parent in the world, even with nothing. It just comes down to how much you're willing to sacrifice, how much you're willing to do to make this child happy. Like I said, I, I never knew we didn't have power. I never knew it was something that was bad. I always saw it as a fun night whenever the lights weren't on and we were huddled by the fire in our blankets with our dogs, you know, cuddled up next to us. My mom would always play games with me and make sure I was entertained, make sure I was laughing. We'd always snuggle in the same bed later on that night. Like, it was always a fun experience for me. I, I never I never realized that the reason that the lights were off was because my mom was didn't have enough money to pay the electric or because or that my mom hadn't eaten in three days to make sure that I, you know, ha was eating at every single meal. I never knew any of that. I never had any idea. And that's an extreme example. I'm wholeheartedly willing to acknowledge and admit that. I know that's very extreme and I know that a lot of people aren't necessarily in those situations, but that's more so an example of like, I have the best parents in the world. And when we started out, you know, we're, we're pretty comfortable now. I'm, I'm not really scared that the lights are going to go off. I, I know where all my meals are going to come from. I mean, I'm recording this on an iMac, a $1,500 iMac in a bedroom with, you know, technology and updated, you know, things and all of my books and all, you know, all of the things that make me happy and aren't at all necessities. And, you know, I, I say this sitting from a place of comfort now, but I haven't always had all of these things. My mom hasn't always had all of these things. We as a family haven't always had all of these things. And yet my, my mom was always the best parent in the world. She always has been. She always will be. And, you know, that's, that's just an example of like, you don't need to have everything because being a parent isn't what you have, what you don't have. Being a parent isn't what you have access to or what you'll make sure your child has access to. 
being a parent is just comes down to point blank period the effort that you are willing to put in and the work that you are willing to put in to make sure that your child is cared for to make sure that your child is healthy to make sure that your child is happy and to make sure that your child feels loved all of the time and that's that's the overarching first point that i wanted to make in this episode that like those four things cared for healthy happy feels loved Though if you, those are the four pillars of being a good parent in my eyes, in my eyes, and I feel like in my mom's eyes, and like you could break down everything that being a good parent is, every, you know, going to every soccer game, making sure that your child is cared for and or supported, making sure that your child feels loved, that fits, that fits into two of those pillars, making sure that your child is up to date on, you know, vaccines, shots, has been to a pediatrician, goes to a doctor, making sure that your child is healthy, oh, also making sure that your child eats and has a roof over their head that also fits into being healthy. Making sure that your child is able to participate in sports and go to school and get a good education and, you know, that you're prioritizing those things. That falls into the category of making sure your child is happy. Being there for your child, listening to them, listening to their concerns, treating them like a real human being, even when they're super duper young and you know that they don't necessarily have the intelligence or the brain power to be a necessarily quote-unquote contributing adult yet still listening to them, and even when they are an adult, or even when they're going through their teenager phase, and you know that a lot of the thoughts that are going through their head are crazy anyways, still listening to them and still putting the effort into understanding them and caring about what they have to say, caring about what they feel more than anything, that falls into the category of being loved. And I say all of this from personal experience because my parents did all of that and more. My parent, I never doubted for one second, even when I was 14 years old and hated my parents more than anything, in the back of my head subconsciously, I knew that I was loved more than anything by my parents. I knew that they would have done anything to see me happy, to see me prosper, and to see me successful. And having that not be a worry in your child's head, you have no idea what that will do for your relationship, and you have no idea what that will do for them going forward in terms of their success. To know that they have someone to fall back on, to know that they have someone who loves them unconditionally, because that's the key. Unfucking conditional love is what you should have as a parent. To know that, like I said, does wonders for their relationship. Because now I'm I'm 18. I'm I'm still pretty young. I still have moments when my mom pisses me off, but I but my mom also has moments where I piss her off. But I love my mom more than anything, and I I she is. Quite honestly, I would feel comfortable saying one of my best friends in the entire world. And I say that looking back on when I was, you know, 13 and 14, you know, we'd have screaming matches at each other. I actually bit my mom once. Like, I bit her on the arm because she had me in a headlock and I wanted to get out of it and I bit her. Like, like physically bit her. And she pulled her arm back and went, she, she just fucking bit me. Like, like I, like, I bit my mother. Like, like, there were times in my life when, like, I hated that woman. I mean, now I'm looking back and that is f so funny to me. That is so funny. That's like a story that I tell people at parties. It's hilarious. And every single girl and her mother goes through that. But if, like I said, if you can provide those four things, the care, the health, the happiness, and the love, if you can provide all four of those things at all times, even when your child is in a headlock and bites you on the arm, you will have every single possibility of of rendering that relationship successful you will have every single possibility of allowing for that relationship to be good and healthy and open one day because now my mom is my best like I said my mom's my best friend I tell her everything I'm always so honest with her I'm always so open with her and I genuinely care what she thinks about me I genuinely care what she has to think about you know my life and how I'm living it and I genuinely want her around and I want to hear what she has to say 
wholeheartedly, I want you to know that like, if that's a relationship you want with your child, maybe not today when they're, you know, 14, 15, 16, but if that's a relationship you want with your child when they're 25, 30, 35, 47, you know, when they're settling down, getting engaged, getting married, having grandkids, if that's an open and healthy relationship that you want, if you want the relationship that I have with my mom, I think that you have to maintain and keep in mind those four pillars of raising a child. And you have to constantly keep in mind that you made the conscious decision, series of decisions, to bring that child into this world. They are a direct effect, they are a direct outcome of your causation, of your action. All right, with, with that first part of this episode being over, I want to jump into the second part, which is more so like, what I think parents need to do now, what I think parents are lacking at in today's society, and what I think can be done to rectify that. Because I, I said it in the first part of this episode, and I said it a while ago, but I was born right on the cusp of the technology era, of the modern technology era. So I had a lot of the experiences, because I was born in 2002, so like I was right on that like edge of like it completely depended on like what your parents were able to afford in terms of what experiences you had with technology. But, you know, we already had the conversation that until pretty recently, until in the last like, you know, half a decade to a decade, like my parents weren't really able to afford a whole lot. So I, I was one of those kids that probably has a lot of experiences that coincide with a lot of 90s kids experiences. Like I, like I would consider myself, culturally, I would consider myself a 90s kid. Because I, I had dial-up internet, like, I had, like, the... Like, internet sound, like, that's what it sounded like when I would start my computer every single day when I wanted to, like, play games online. Um, I also was one of those kids that went, I went to school with a CD player. And not only did I go to school with a CD player and headphones if I wanted to listen to music, but I also know how to burn a CD because I had to illegally pirate music on illegal websites and then download them onto my PC and then, or like my desktop, whatever you want to call it, and then burn those songs onto a CD player. Or I had to buy those, uh, like mu the music online and then burn them onto a CD if I wanted to bring them to school with me and listen to them in school or if I wanted to listen to them in the car or whatever the case may be. Like, I had a lot of, like, experiences like that growing up with technology. Like I said, I, I, I culturally, I subscribe as, like, a 90s kid. Because, like, I, I had a lot of the same experiences as, like, 90s kids had growing up in terms of my experiences with technology. However, a lot of parents that are being first-time parents, or even, you know, parents just in general today, even kids that are, you know, just a couple years younger than me, like, three to five years younger than me, like I, like, I don't think you guys have that luxury as parents of being able to, like, actually give your kids childhoods. Like, don't get me wrong, like, computers were always fascinating to me as a kid. Like, what computer, what screen isn't fascinating to a child? Like, it's a bright, shiny thing with a lot of, like, moving pictures and bright colors. Like, of course, kids are going to be drawn to that. But I had such limited access to technology, and my mom didn't trust technology, so she still doesn't. But she, she, you know, it was so new to, new to her, and still is, that, like, if she wanted to be like, no, get off the computer, go outside, go play with some worms or something, like, I would have done that. And so, like, I still like to say that, like, I had a real childhood. I still went to, like, summer camps where, like, I would be outside all day long where I wouldn't, where I didn't touch a single form of technology all day unless it was, like, a microwave. I would still go to play outside. You know, I, I would, I still, like, I would be those, that kid that, like, would love worms and, like, roll over rocks and roll over logs and, like, try and find snakes and worms and, like, lizards and all that fun stuff to, like, play with and mess around with and hold and, you know, shit like that. 
like I like I said I li I'd like to think that I still had a childhood and I think that don't get me wrong I, I sympathize with parents nowadays because I think it's getting harder and harder to ensure that your child can actually have that and it's getting harder and harder to ensure that your child is going to be able to grow up in a world where technology is not a focal point where technology is not a centerpiece of their experiences in their life I mean, I, I think to when I'm going to have kids, because I don't want to start having kids until I'm in like my 30s. So that's like, what, like 15, 10, 15 years from now. I mean, I cannot even imagine what it's going to be like when I have kids, how hard it's going to be to, I mean, I still don't really know if I want to have kids if we're being perfectly honest, but that's a completely different conversation. But like if and when I start having kids, I can't even imagine how difficult it's going to be for me and myself to separate my children from the technology that they're constantly going to be exposed to and have to immerse themselves in just to be able to get through everyday life. Like it's going to be insane. As someone who grew up in the digital age as someone who, you know, by the time I was in middle school, the iPhones were just starting to get good. Like I think the I think the iPhone 4 came out when I was in 4th or 5th grade. You know what I mean? And then the the 6 was I had the 6 when I was in 8th grade. I had the, I got the 6 when I was 13 years old for my 13th birthday. Like I like and I think that that's a good age to like not like give a child to like wait to give a child a phone is like 13 14 because at that point then they're like kind of going out with friends more so like you want to stay in touch with them but they're also like old enough to understand the dangers of the internet hopefully but I mean will I even be able to wait that long to get my child a phone will they need it for school will they need an iPad or a laptop for school so will I have to give them open access to technology like earlier than that like that shit like that terrifies me I think about it all the time and like I said, as someone who grew up with technology like that, as someone who saw the progress throughout my entire life, I've also seen how dangerous it is. I've also seen how much it can incapacitate us as individuals and as a society. And like I said, it just terrifies me. But my experiences aside, I've been going off on a tangent for a little bit. I do just want to talk about, you know, some of the some of the parenting techniques that I think parents nowadays need to instill in their children. That being technology, I think that w the overarching point of that topic was like, we need to learn how to restrict technology for our children. We need to learn how to give your kids a childhood again and take them away from a phone screen. Like, you guys know I work in a restaurant, I'm a bartender, I'm a server. I cannot tell you how many times I'll see kids younger than like 12, 11, 10 who have no ability to sit quietly at a table unless they have a phone screen or an iPad in their face. I saw a kid. He had a full-ass iPad Pro with a keyboard and an Apple Pencil at the table, sitting on the table in front of him. He was completely ignoring his parents. They were, like, talking and drinking and stuff like that. Like I said, this kid had a full iPad Pro in front of him and was playing games on it the entire dinner. That is crazy to me. That is bonkers to me. And you will never, ever, ever catch me doing that with shit with my kids when I'm older. I mean, I, I can't even imagine my mom doing that to me. Like, if we went out to dinner, and I was bored, and I was complaining, and I was throwing a fit, and I was like, oh, I want your phone, mom, I want to play a game, my mom would have chewed my ass out there and then at the table, she would have dragged me out of the restaurant by my fucking ears, and sat in the car for me in order to take out and eat in it in front of me in the car, not even ordered anything for me. Like, like that's the type of, like, that's the type of reaction my mom would have done. Now parents are just so willing to be like, oh, Timmy's throwing a temper tantrum, let's just throw an iPad in front of his face. That is not good parenting. I'm here, I'm gonna sit here and tell you that now. That's not a good parenting. Oh, but my child wants it. Oh, but my child's throwing a temper tantrum. Okay, then actually parent your child so that they don't think that that's an appropriate way to get what they want. Like, what? I never would have done that shit as a child. Don't get me wrong, I still threw temper tantrums. I still threw fits. 
But not when I was out at dinner, not when I was, not when I wanted an iPad in front of my face. I never even knew what an iPad was until I was like 11 or 12. Like what? That is so crazy to me, which leads actually pretty nicely into my next point. But like, teach your kids some damn respect. My lord, it seems like kids nowadays have no ability to respect authority figures or other people in general. And, you know, to talk about two sides of the same coin, it also seems like kids have absolutely no sense of the real world or what it means to truly have social skills in these types of settings. Listen, I just want to say it now. I know your child is probably your, the center of your universe. I know you have probably dedicated so much time, so much energy, so much sleepless nights, so much mental willpower, and more than anything, so much money into keeping this child alive, healthy, and happy. Let me tell you, I understand that and I know that. However, the rest of the world does not see your child as the center of the universe. The rest of the world does not see your child as their pride and joy like you do. The rest of the world sees your child as just another human being, and they expect him or her to act as such and in a respectful manner to everyone else that they come in contact with. That does not include throwing a temper tantrum at a dinner table in a public restaurant because they want an iPad in front of their face because they're unable to sit patiently and quietly for 45 minutes while you eat fucking dinner out at a restaurant. I don't know how to drive that point home to new parents. And I know as like younger generations, especially millennials start to become first time parents, like that's what they're going to think the solution to every problem is like, oh, technology, look at this easy, accessible thing. But again, that's not parenting. We said that before. If, if you can find an easy out, to parenting, if you can find an easy solution to parenting, then that's not actually parenting. Because parenting is hard. Parenting is difficult. Parenting is dirty. Parenting is not always that fun. Parenting most of the time isn't that fun. Finding an easy out, like shoving an iPad or a cell phone in front of your kid's face is only going to damage them. It's only, literally physically and mentally, it's only going to damage them in the long run. So please teach your children how to sit quietly and sit patiently at a restaurant Teach them how to converse with people, even if they're adults, even if they're people that might not fully understand what your child is trying to say. Who cares? At least your child will be learning some basic social skills. Granted, I know I probably had a much different experience growing up with that because I grew up an only child. So really, adults were all I had to interact with. It's not like I had siblings. It's not like I grew up with, you know, cousins or anything. Like nine times out of ten when I was at family functions, I was the only child there. So I had to learn very, very young, and my mom had to instill in me very, very young appropriate social skills and how to navigate in adult settings and act appropriately in those adult settings, restaurants included. And I never had the out of, oh, can I just sit in a corner and play on your phone? Can I just sit in a recliner and play on an iPad? Can I just pull out some sort of technology at dinner so that I don't have to interact with people? I never had that option. I always had to sit, I always had to talk to people, I always had to sit nicely and talk to people, and I always had to be patient and respectful, and if I was getting impatient, my mom would turn to me and say, we're leaving soon, or we're leaving in a little bit, you can sit and you can be patient, we're only going to be here for a couple of hours, and then I would be like, alright, she means business, and then I would go about my day. Like, I don't know why that's so difficult. And of course, you know, if you don't instill that respect young, if you don't instill that respect when your child's a toddler, you know, when they're actually throwing temper tantrums, when they're actually doing that things, if you think that, you know, technology and stuff like that is an easy fix when they're when you, your child's a toddler, when you don't want to deal with that stuff, of course, it's going to get harder and harder when they get older, because they're going to still think that that's an appropriate thing to do, that that's, you know, the outcome of what they'll get whenever they throw a temper tantrum. 
So my, my recommendation is that start it young. Start it as young as you can. Instill that as young as you can. That technology is not a fix for everything. That sometimes they're going to be in situations where they're a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes they're going to have to be at family functions. Sometimes they're going to have to be out at dinner. Sometimes they're going to have to be in situations that just are not that fun for children. But guess what? That is life. That is literally what it means to be in a functional member of society, is to put yourself in situations that sometimes are not that fun. That's what it means to go to work every single day. That's what it means to go to the doctor's office. That what it, that's what it means to go to job interviews. That what it, that's what it means to literally do 90% of what it means to be an adult living life, is putting yourself in uncomfortable situations or situations that you would rather prefer not to be in. Like, kids today, I feel like, are growing up so entitled, and they're growing up thinking that, like, the world is just going to be laid at their feet if the second they snap their fingers or start to cry. And again, it's like, that's fine if you want to make your kids think that when they're with you, but the problem is that these kids go out into the world and they still think that they're going to get that same treatment from the rest of the world. And that's just not, that's just not real. That's not realistic. Because, like I said, the, the overarching point of this segment I want to be is the fact that your child may be your pride and joy. Your child may be the center of your universe. Your child may be your, oh, little Timmy. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, I love him so much. Oh, you're loving, loving mommy's life. Oh, mommy and daddy love you. That may be what you think about when you see your child. And that may be what your child is to you. And that's fine. That's what every parent should feel like when they see their child. They should feel happy. They should feel like they should feel love because that is, that is literally your child. That is your flesh and blood and that is the person that you're supposed to love and you're supposed to be obligated to take care of. So I completely understand that. But the point is, to the rest of the world, your little Timmy is just Timmy. To the rest of the world, Timmy is just another member of society. Timmy is just another human with the same expectations, rules, and regulations that he has to follow just like everybody else. And if he grew up getting everything his way, getting everything he wanted and being an entitled, spoiled little brat at home, and he walks out into the real world and starts to act like that to other people, if he starts to act like that to potential employers or to friends or to family or to just other people out in public in general, he is going to fail at life. You are setting your child up for failure by allowing for them to be entitled, spoiled little brats at home. And that is the point that I want to make is like you are only hurting your kids' chances at success. You are only hurting their future prospects by allowing for them to act like this, by allowing for them to think that this is an appropriate thing way to act, and by allowing for them to think that they're still going to get everything they want if they act like this. Because that's not how the world works. That has never been how the world works. People have never enjoyed being around entitled, spoiled, rotten people with horrendous personal characteristics. No one enjoys being around someone like that. No one sits down at a board meeting and goes, Hey, you know Timmy, that really obnoxious guy who grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth who thinks that we need to roll out a red carpet whenever he enters a room and assumes that everyone just needs to be at his beck and call and do whatever we sa he says? I really like that guy. I really like Timmy. He's a great guy to be around. We should go out for drinks after work. No one's ever said that. No one has ever said that, ever. No one likes being around someone like that. And you are raising people like that by allowing your children to think that every time they throw a temper tantrum, they'll get an iPad thrown in their face. Or every time they throw a temper tantrum, they'll get whatever they're asking for. They'll get whatever they're demanding because you just don't want to deal with their, you know, outburst. 
Cut it off young. Nip it in the bud young. Prevent your children from thinking that this is an acceptable way to act so that they don't grow up just manipulating you because that's what it is. I'm going to be honest with you. You're getting outwitted by a seven-year-old at the dinner table. You are getting outsmarted by a seven-year-old who knows that, hey, all I have to do is cry and scream and kick at mommy in order to get an iPad thrown in my face or to get whatever else I want. You are getting manipulated by a seven-year-old. A seven-year-old is smarter than you. If that makes you uncomfortable, then guess what? Be a better parent. There you go. Raising another person, another human being, starting from scratch to raise another person to be kind, genuine, intelligent, comprehensive, and patient with the world and people around them, that has never been an easy task. But if you can find those things to be important to yourself, and if you can instill those things into yourself, and when you can find those things to be important, a child will pick up on that. And they'll say, hey, mom and dad think this is an important trait for people to have. Maybe I should start practicing that. And more than anything, if you are not willing to actually go through the effort and time and patience and energy of instilling that mentality and that way of thinking into your child that's not how they're going to think you could be the greatest person in the world but if you're not going to be a good parent you can raise a piece of shit so a quick recap parenting is not a right it's a responsibility no child had any say of being brought into this world and therefore you have every obligation to make sure that they are cared for healthy happy and completely and utterly loved but that is the, if I want you to walk away from this episode with anything, it's the four pillars of good parenting. That's what I'm going to call them from now on. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm coining that. I'm trademarking that. If anyone wants to use that from now on, you got to pay me some big bucks. The four pillars of good parenting. Making sure your child is cared for. Making sure your child is healthy. Making sure your child is happy. And making sure your child feels loved. Four pillars of good parenting. Boom. Trademarked. Jalen Tully. So the end of that first section, and then the re to recap the second section, make sure your child grows up with the childhood. Learn how toxic technology can be. Learn how to limit technology if you can. And I know it's getting harder and harder as technology gets more advanced and therefore gets becomes more ingrained in our everyday lives, but still try and maintain some sense of normalcy. Still try and maintain some sense of having a childhood in your child. Sitting in front of an iPad screen all the time is not having a childhood. It's not. Your child's not going to remember that as a fond point in their life. Your child's not going to look back on that and have stories to tell to their children about their childhood if all they did was sit inside and stare at a screen all day. Also, learn how to teach your kids some respect. Learn how to teach them not to be entitled. Learn how to teach them how to be functional members of society because isn't that the point of parenting is to raise functional members of society who are going to be successful and lead their own lives and make the world a better place. Or at least that should be the goal of parenting, right? Right? Am I, am I crazy? Am I the only one that thinks like that? No, I'm not. I'm not. At least I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be the only one that thinks like that. So yeah, that's the goal of parenting. I'm telling you now. I loved this week's episode. I loved recording it. I loved writing it up. I loved thinking about what I was going to say, what needed to be said. This is what I wanted this podcast to be about. This is what I've been waiting for. Oh, this is what I, oh, this is what I've wanted this entire time. You guys, you have no idea. I'm so excited to be entering this new chapter with you guys where we can have conversations like this that don't revolve around what shitty of a world we live in, but still revolve around real life issues and uncomfortable conversations that are still necessary. This is what I'm here for. This is why I'm here. And this is what I love. So again, thank you for being part of this journey with me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I wholeheartedly appreciate it. And without further ado, I need to give you guys what's in my rotation this week. I watched a movie on Netflix. I'm sure you guys might have heard of it. 
or might have seen it. It was super popular a little bit ago, but it's called My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, so you can only find it on Netflix, but it is so good. It's about this guy, and he is is fascinated with the ocean. He always has been, and he's a diver. He's a swimmer, whatever. Like, he's, um, a, he might be a marine biologist, maybe? I don't, I'm not sure. Marine something, though. Like, he's super into the ocean is the overarching point of what I'm trying to say. And in the reefs by his house, he goes diving every single day and he finds this octopus. And at first he sees her doing this strange behavior that he's, that just draws him in. And so he, and he, he scares her off. So he follows her to her den as, and, and as I'm sure you could assume, she is absolutely terrified of him, but she's also very curious. Like you can tell she's, you know, looking at him and she's wants to get closer, but she's still not sure. And so he thinks, what if I come here every single day just for a little bit? just to see her and she can get used to me. Will she end up getting used to me and will she end up interacting with me? And so he does. He ends up going every single day to see this octopus. He ends up learning her behaviors. He ends up learning, you know, when she hunts, where she usually, you know, resides, ends up learning the territory, mapping out the territory. And he was completely right. The more he comes, the more comfortable she gets with him. She ends up climbing on his hand and, you know, interacting with him and ends up, you know, coming to really like him. Like you can tell she really likes him. And it's, it's just, it's the journey of this man and this octopus that he met and he fell in love with because he, he did come to love her and he says that, like, he got so attached to her. It, it's really sad at the end. Um, I don't know if you know a lot about octopus lifespans, but they really don't live that long naturally. I don't, I don't want to give anything else away though, but I'm just, I just want to, do want to let you know it does get very sad. I actually watched it at my most recent tattoo appointment and I was just sitting there in the chair, just like crying at the end because it was so sad and it came out of left field. I was like, no, but yes, it's, it's very sad um, at the end, but still so good. So, so good. End up I ended up learning so much about octopus. I mean, I appreciate all animals, but I ended up learning so much about octopus, so much about the ocean from this man who was just, who just happened to meet an octopus one day when he was diving and, you know, developed a relationship with her. Such a good movie. And I think that that's another one that everyone should end up watching. It is just so, so good. All right, you guys, with the episode done and out of the way and with what's on my rotation done and out of the way... This episode is going to come to a close. You already know what's going to happen, though. If you enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to share it with someone who you think could learn something from it. Again, this is an episode that I really think a lot of people could learn something from it, whether you're a parent who is a first-time parent or a parent who's been doing this for a while, whether you're a kid who isn't sure if they want to be a parent someday or who knows they want to be a parent someday. Literally share this with any and everyone because I truly think that everyone, whether you're a parent, an adult or not, or a child or not, I think everyone could walk away from this episode learning something and having a different point of view on parenting and what it means to be a good parent. Also, be sure to follow me on all of my social media platforms. All of my handles are just at Jalen Tully, spelled J-A-Y-L-I-N-T-U-L-L-Y. And I don't think there's really anything else to do. So, as always, you guys, be sure to leave this episode, every episode before and after now, ready to educate often, learn freely, and always love equally. Thank you so much for being a part of this new era with me. It really means a lot, and I'm so excited to think about what is going to be achieved, not just by me, but by both of us, by all of us, going forward. I'll talk to you guys next week, and until then, hang in there.